This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 53 of the Stacey West podcast. I am Ben and as ever I'm joined by Gary. How are you getting on? Hello, I'm Gary. <laughs> Indeed he is. Um, but yes, um, I'm all right, mate. Yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, but yes, yeah. uh, we are not going to talk to Gary straight away this week about um, about football because uh, Gary wasn't there on Saturday, were you, mate? You were you were gallivanting around. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I, uh, I had a, an enjoyable weekend in New Biggin on Sea, ruined by the fact I lost a tenner uh, on on betting on Lincoln to win two one with Jack Payne to score his first goal for the club. So um, I will be doing tips later on today. You probably better putting your money <laughs> in an envelope and posting it uh, to charity. Uh, so, but two out of three ain't bad, you know. Two out of three ain't bad. For a second there, I thought you were going to say you might be better off uh, posting it into the sea or something. I mean, it's probably about the same. Yeah. All right, Ben. All right. <laughs> hey, it's my turn to take the piss out of you this week. All right. Anyway. Yeah. Um. Yes. So I um I'm going to sit down with uh, with Jake, friend of the pod and writer for the blog, um, and we're going to talk about Oxford, which might be some uncomfortable listening for some. So, uh, we'll, me and Gary, I'll see you on the other side of that discussion. I'm here with Jake. How are we getting on, mate? Are you all right? Uh, yeah, I'm not bad, thanks, Ben. How are you? Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, picking the bones out Saturday. I'm all uh, just about there now. I think it's all uh, all seems to be all right, but uh, it wasn't the best of games, was it? No, we, um, you know, it was just it was just poor all round. I don't I don't know whether it was Oxford playing ten out of ten or it was us playing zero out of ten. You know, just every time they went forward, they just they just put the ball in the back of the net. Some of the goals that they scored were unbelievable. Mm. Defending defending wasn't really on par. We didn't really look like a threat going forward like we normally do at home. So it's a bit, it looks like it's a big job for for Appleton when he when he finally get when he finally got the lads in on on Monday. Yeah, it just uh, I don't know. It's just a really weird, really weird situation where I think um, I I just think it just felt odd. Like nothing felt right. It didn't seem like anything we tried came off. Um, I think the only two players really that I I sort of felt were were giving it anything were were Toff and Bruno. And I know that sounds really harsh on a lot of the other players, but it just didn't. Nothing really seemed quite right, did it? No, I, I'll agree with you about Toffolo. As, as we spoke about off-air, I'm not normally one to give Toffolo a great deal of, of praise. You know, if you speak to a lot of people that I know, like Chris and Chris Conrath, that is, and Ian, who I sit next to, that I'm always on at Harry Toffolo. But to be fair to him, the Rochdale game on, on Tuesday night and then Saturday, he was probably one of the only players that can take any sort of sort of credit you know as, as I said George Grant as well I think when George Grant came on he looked he looked we looked we've definitely missed his set his dead set yeah, sorry dead ball situations his ability to play the ball in I think we scored three corners in the first three goal uh, three games of his of his crosses so looks like we've we've missed him but apart from that you can't really say that anybody can take any credit from their performance 
yeah, it just it was it was awful, really. And like you said, I think every time Oxford got the ball and got near the box, you started to you know just clench up a little bit. You thought, oh, here we go again. But, yeah, you just knew, didn't you? You just yeah. knew. Yeah, I mean, let's let's not take anything away though. I think there was there was at least um, there was at least one or two goals that were absolute quality. I mean, the, the I think it it's getting bad when you can't remember whether it was the fifth or it the fourth. Was the, sixth, the, 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 uh, Fosu's sixth, uh, the fifth goal. Yes, yeah, uh, Fosu's hat trick goal was it was That's sublime, funny. really. Um, but I mean, the first goal was was poor defensively. The second goal was equally so, and I just thought. I don't know. It, it felt like there was nothing that we could do that was going to fix it, really. Yeah. It just kind of felt really awkward. Um, At half time, though, could you see us getting into it, sort of 2 0 down? I thought if we get the, the next goal, we could have got ourselves into the game. Had Jamie and Andy Warrington given them something at half time. But then obviously they went, they go and get a goal in the 48th minute and the 54th minute, and it kills the game off completely. Yeah, I think that's the thing. If, if we'd have come out like we did at Rochdale second half and really, you know, really hammered it. I think it would have been a yeah. much different story, but I, I don't know. I, it, I keep saying it, but I really don't know what went wrong. It was just, I, I don't like, I don't like laying into people and criticizing because it's, it's just, you know, what's the point after it's all been said and done, but there wasn't really a whole lot to shout about, which, made the reaction of the fans all the more special really i think um, yeah 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 I mean, especially especially sorry sorry to interrupt you but especially like in front of michael appleton as well i thought yeah. under the new the new manager is, is well known to be sitting in the stands i think he was meant to come on the pitch at, at half time to sort of to introduce himself and then i think he had to go into the dressing room at half time and give those players the the, the bollocking that they deserved Mm. I just I I don't know like I I'd heard a couple of bits that he was going to be unveiled to the fans and all the rest of it but it's not really the way that he is but um I I just think it was I mean if if ever you wanted a, a um if ever you wanted an idea of the size of the job that you have to do I mean it was it was Saturday really wasn't it, it just yeah. Yeah, I, I just felt really, I felt embarrassed for for the fans. Well, not not so much for the fans because I think the fans, you know, gave as good as they got. Mm. Um, it was just, I, I sit in the uh, in the top of block five, and um, normally when you when everybody's um, you know when everybody's singing and bouncing in, in block seven and, and to the right as well down towards block uh, block one and two. It sometimes feels a bit muted because I'm literally like the the second row from the back, so I can't you, you can't get a sense of how much noise is being projected across the pitch. Um, but on Saturday, even even though we were you know four nil down, I think at the time when when it started to swell back up again, um, it uh, there was that sort of period between kick off and about the f- just before the fifth goal, I think when everyone was a little bit shell shocked as to what yeah. actually happened yeah. but then i think everybody sort of said right sod it let's just have a good let's have a party and really really got into it and the noise from where i was was just yeah. ph- absolutely phenomenal i think that i think the fans were just being as they normally are there's not really many home games at the bank or away games that, that they're not really heard and they just they just wanted to show appleton i think that they are behind the players you know the atmosphere at central bank has obviously helped recruit a, a lot of players I think you know mm. O'Hara spoke last year about the Grimsby game Connolly yeah. spoke this year about the Everton game you know hopefully Appleton will, will will use that to the player the players should be used to it now but we'll use that to a, as an advantage in the home in our home for going forward because you know the supporters were absolutely brilliant I can't mm. think I, I can't think of many games probably the, the Stevenage game last season when we were when we conceded two last-minute goals, that's it. The last time I thought, you know what, I left Central Bank going, the atmosphere is flat. But apart mm. from that, the atmosphere, unbelievable. Fans deserve all the credit they get. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, to be honest with you, like he, um, he said in his press conference, which me and Gary will come on to in a minute, but um, he said in his press conference that, you know, it made a, oh, I think Clive said actually after the game that it made an impact um, on him. And I think he said, you know, there was some stuff that he'd not seen before and it was just, it, it's going to be, it's going to be a big thing going forward. And I just hope that, um, well, 
I know that there's going to be a huge amount of people that just won't stop. Um, they won't stop coming. They won't stop, um, you know, making the noise and, and having a, you know, having a sing and a bounce. Cause it's, Absolutely. yeah, it's fantastic. But I think really that's the only, the only positive that you can take from the weekend really. Yeah. Um, there, were, there weren't many, were there? No, absolutely there not. Many. I mean, we got to see some pretty impressive goals. It was just unfortunate. Yeah, Oxford played. Oxford played brilliantly. They're probably the best side that that we've seen this season. I, <laughs> I think. I think. I think some of it was possibly us making them look fantastic. I know that there was yeah. there were certainly uh, periods in the game where we were just really, really wide open. There wasn't a huge amount of. Uh, yeah. There just wasn't a huge amount of space. Very passive. Play. We're very passive. Especially, yeah. especially the the uh, first and second goal. I think mm. I think it was Vickers. Uh, the ball got behind the defense on yeah down the left hand side. And I thought Vickers was going to come for it, and then he just stopped. And then Fosse just nicked in and ran rounded him. I thought you know yeah that was the second goal, wasn't it? Because the first one was was I mean technically it's a good strike, but he should have been closed down way before that. So. He should never have that much room around the the, the edge of the day. No. no chance. But uh, anyway. Hopefully we can put it right, and uh, yeah, me and Gary are gonna are gonna have a chat now about um, about the, the you know Appleton coming in, and of course Blackpool on Friday. So thanks for joining us, Jake. Very much appreciated. Um, I know normally you're you're sat talking to people after the game, and that's uh, that's always a good uh, good chat. Yeah, we have quite a few quite a few regulars that come down, but if anybody wants to have their their opinion heard, we just go right outside the uh, family entrance to the. Uh, co-op on nearest the side near the South Commons. So if anyone wants to come down, feel free uh, and get your opinion heard. There you go. We'll have to get you a, a tabard or a sign or something that says Stacey West Pod here. Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> if you if you and Gary want to pay for it, I am more than happy to have it. <laughs> I'm sure someone will sponsor us for that one if we ask nicely. <laughs> but yes, thank you for joining us, man. It's always good cool. to chat to you. Yeah, and you bed. Cheers. See you later. See ya. So there we go. That was myself and Jake there talking about the, well, it was, it was a disaster on Saturday, but I think everyone associated with the club is probably very keen to put that all behind them um, and welcome the new manager on Friday for his first game. Um, and I think, I think the, the biggest thing of the week was the, his first press conference, uh, which I know, I think we were all fairly impressed with, weren't we, Gary? Yeah, I know there was very few people who were impressed with the way that the club delivered it because on uh, yeah. on Twitter it said it was going to be on the the YouTube page and I was on New Biggin Beach holding the dog in one hand hoping he didn't crap on the uh, beach and in the other hand having my phone going, it's not on, it's not on, it's not on. And then 15 minutes after it started, someone going, oh, it's on their Facebook page, actually. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, look, it's been a, it's a busy week. I'm not going to criticise the boys in the media team because they're – they're under increasing pressure to come up with content and I know what that's like. So, um, you know, when you get gremlins in the system, life doesn't wait. And certainly uh, Michael Appleton is not a man um, who I would want to make wait for anything because he's a big <laughs> bastard. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I did, I had a listen to his, pod, to, to his press conference. Uh, I did eventually get it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say inspiring. Um, it was grounded. It was reality. It was it was the eye opener. And as I as I said in 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 my subsequent blog, I think there's an element of the club playing this in a certain way. Okay, I think that the six nil defeat, whilst it's a real kick in the balls, so, you know, let's let's not make no bones about it. I've seen us lose six nil at home twice, and both times I, I wanted to kill somebody afterwards. Um, that's not good, but. From the club's point of view, there might actually be one or two people not grateful for it, but who can see the silver line into the big dark cloud because that allows a rhetoric to be delivered that actually we're not where we thought we are. We're not the team that we're top with a 100% record. That was a lucky start. What we actually are is a long way adrift. And, you know, we must be because we lost 6-0 to Oxford. And a lot of people are then kind of pointing out and saying, oh, you know, going back the last four games of last season, it's relegation form, which is, I'll be honest, Ben, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life because you can't have relegation form <laughs> yeah. uh, over the course of two seasons. Do you know what I mean? You, you can if you put the games together, but people forget that at the end of that little run, you know, we had a trophy and we got promoted. And so it's, it's you know, it's different teams. Everything about it's different. We're not in a good run. Um, 
But if you look at it seriously, and I know we're going to go on to Michael Appleton's presser in a minute, but if you actually break it down, okay, yes, we lost to Doncaster and MK Dons from what I would call naivety, individual errors. We lost those two games. I'm not counting Doncaster at all because it was it, it's the EFL trophy. You know, it, it doesn't count. Everton, seriously, anyone that puts the Everton defeat in a run as a negativity wants slapping because nobody walked out of Sinsel Bank negative that night. And then we've lost two games, um, or three games rather, since the whole manager going thing. You know, Wickham, obvious everyone's mind was everywhere else. Bristol Rovers, obvious minds were everywhere else. So in actual fact, if you break it down and look at it, I'm not sure that we're in as bad a situation as the press conference tended to suggest. It tended to Mm. go towards, we've got a job to do. We have to get good at not conceding goals. Well, hang on, up until Saturday, we hadn't conceded from open play at Sinsel Bank. And that included Bristol Rovers. Yeah, okay, taking out Everton again. But even then, Everton, it was set pieces that undid for us on two or three of those occasions, wasn't it? So Mm. I'm just, you know, it's been played in a very, very particular way. And I think it's a clever way. And I think it's the way the club had to do it because they've been able to twist the fact that three trophies in three years, promotions, Wembley, all that sort of stuff, they've been able to twist that around on the basis of of a run of form that was relatively inevitable when you looked at um, what's happened at the club. And I think that was the crux of the press conference, um, was that message. And, you know, I Mm. found that interesting. I don't know how you felt. Yeah, I, I I didn't get that at the time, but from the way you've just sort of said it there, it, there was something, as you say, very grounded about the whole thing. And it wasn't sort of, we're going to keep carrying on. We're going to do this and we're going to smash this league this year. And we're going to do X, Y, Z, because let's be honest, that was very clearly um, what I think Danny wanted to do. Um, I think he wanted to be the spearhead and and keep everything going at the same pace and the same momentum that we had. Um, And then when it actually came to the realities of it, we've got, you know, there's no bones about it. We've got quite a thin squad. It's a good squad, but it's a thin squad. And I think when we've had this many games quite close up together at the start of the season, that thin squad has, you know, sort of, um, it's it's showing at the moment. There's no doubt about that. Um, And a couple of injuries, and it it suddenly makes us look very, very thin indeed. Um, But I think the, I think the press conference, as you say, is, is, it was one of those where they said, right, okay, let's, let's take stock now. Let's, let's almost hit reset. Let's, let's hit the reset button on everything and just see where we are, what we can realistically do, what style of football we want to play and, you know, where we think we can move on from where we are at this point to, to be at the end of the season. And I think there's going to be a lot of fans that will be readjusting their expectations right now. And, and rightly so, because I think, um, there was a lot of people that were, um, well, particularly in the the preseason podcast, sort of uh, that, that cover the the leagues and League One and Two and, and all the rest of it. That a lot of people were saying there, oh, Lincoln are going to do excellently this year. You know, they're going to finish third or they're going to finish in the top six. And it's like, well, let's let's take stock of what we've got now. Um, let's look at it realistically and let's say, okay, I. I would be more than happy, and I said this at the start of the season. I'd be more than happy if we finish, you know, mid-table in the lower half, you know, bottom half of the league. It's just it's going to be one of those seasons, particularly now, where there's going to be a lot of adjustment and a lot of time to to, to sort of reposition the club, if you like, because obviously we've been on this massive trajectory, and I think, um, as I said, the previous management wanted to to keep that going. On, on a shoestring um, and ultimately I think their ambition was was a little bit too much for, for where the board were at the at the time when they wanted to you know really really kick on um, financially at least but um, yeah I mean the, the run that we're on at the moment and obviously the 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 dire result from Saturday um, I, I said this on on social media in the in the week it, it reminded me of a hangover like a really bad hangover where you've had a great night out and, you know, our night out actually lasted about three years. And then you get up the following morning and you've got a raging headache. You don't want to do anything. You can't move, which was the, um, well, it it starts in the taxi home, doesn't it? Your hangovers really. So the Wickham game, when you're on your way home, it's like, that's your, that's your first bit of your hangover. Then you've got the Bristol game where it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. We're actually, 
not that great and we don't feel really good at the moment. Then you've got the uh, the game on Tuesday night. First half was dire. I, well, I don't think anyone's going to, well, we, we said as much last week. First half wasn't great at all. And then you have a shower. Like when you have a shower and when, you're, when you've got a hangover, you suddenly feel like you're, you're ready to take on the world. And you're like, oh, I feel brilliant. I can do this. And you have about an hour where you feel absolutely perfect. Um, an hour shower was at half time on Saturday, on Tuesday night. Um, and then after that hour's up, you suddenly realise, oh no, uh, my liver's really kicking my ass at the moment. And that was Saturday. Um, and then you just want to crawl and go to bed, which I think most of us did on Saturday afternoon. But Jesus, that was a long analogy. Yeah. Fucking hell. Sorry. Well, yeah. But Jesus Christ. All right. I, I try. I You've try. You've that I one too, haven't you? Have you written it down on three pieces of A4? <laughs> Yeah, in size eight font. Yeah. <laughs> I get. Do you know what? I I, I kind of get. I get what you're saying, and I wanted. I want to touch on a on a point that you made about the squad, because I think a squad is. And I'm going to use an analogy now, but it's going to be a lot quicker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a squad is a little bit like your your personal wardrobe. So, like, if I'm getting ready for the year, I buy a couple of shirts, a couple of pairs of jeans. Maybe I like to wear shirts. I don't like to wear jumpers, so I might buy one. But then that new manager comes in and he likes to wear jumpers and ties. And if he opens my wardrobe, he looks in it and thinks, oh, I've got some nice shirts. I've only got one jumper, so I need a couple more of those. So it isn't the fact that Mike Clapton has inherited a bad wardrobe. It's just that he's inherited a wardrobe that doesn't quite fit his style at the moment. Um, there will be some casualties. But, you know, I, I, I take on board people were saying that we were going to finish third and all that rubbish pre-season. And I think me and you both said, look, Sort yourselves out, lads. That's not going to happen. And we said 10th. And, and, and you said there that some people had readjusted their expectations. Now, whether you meant the people who, who said we were finishing third or whether you meant some of our supporters, personally, I haven't massively readjusted my pre-season expectations for this squad. Um, I still expect us to be around about 11th, which probably tallies where you say sort of, you know, upper lower half. So yeah, 11th to 14th. I think I called something like 10th to 11th at the beginning of the season. I still expect that. And there's a reason for that. Michael, um, we'll call him Michael. We call him the Big Apple. I don't know what we're going to call him. Um, we'll call him Sir if he asks <laughs> us to. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but, you know, he, he kind of spoke about don't judge me in one or two months, you know, six months for things to get, settled down and I think he's looking at his spell at Oxford and thinking yeah, that's how long it took me but when he was at Oxford he inherited a team of journeymen you know he had to bring in a lot of his own players he inherited a wardrobe that had basically been owned by a tramp um, and he wanted to go out <laughs> for a nice dinner somewhere whereas he hasn't got that now he's, he's got a decent wardrobe he's got a decent squad there's good players in there they're going to play the sort of football that he wants to play and if I'm understanding correctly the, the style that he made effective at Oxford at the end isn't that dissimilar to the style that we've been playing at the beginning of this season and you know I think some people have fallen under the misapprehension that the football that we've been playing has been too much tippy-tappy not enough chance creation and they point to MK Dons as that you know oh, we created all those chances and lost 2-1 well which one is it did we not create enough mm. chances or did we create too many chances so I think that there's you can look at where things began to fall apart and arguably that was probably Doncaster in the cup. I think, uh, I think when you look at Doncaster in the league and MK Dons, I think we were the better team at MK Dons. I think we matched Doncaster. I think we were outstanding against Everton. Um, who did we play on the Saturday after Everton? Was that when we beat Fleetwood 2 0? Possibly. Uh, yes. So we, you know, we'd done well up until everything started with Sheffield Wednesday and Huddersfield. And that's where it's tailed off. And we mm. expected that to happen. But I don't think that we have a bad squad. And I don't think that Michael Appleton will need six months to get this team playing in a way that he wants them to play. It won't be straight away. It won't be this weekend against Blackpool. But there's no reason why we can't go and compete against Blackpool because we competed against Fleetwood, against Southend. We competed at Rotherham. And they're the same players, so they're still capable of doing that. If a manager mm. comes in who wants to play the certain style, so, you know, I, I kind of, I, I understand the message from the press conference very, very clearly. It had to be down key. It had to be low key. It had to be understating what he was going to do. It had to be perhaps overstating the size of the task, perhaps. And a 6-0 mm. defeat absolutely helped with that because that looks like we're on our arse. And I saw one user on social media, and if you're listening, whoever it is, I'm, I'm sorry for picking you out, but you use two words that literally 
made me spit my coffee out on my lap, but I don't drink coffee, but it's rhetorical. Um, you said on Saturday we hit rock bottom and what? Yeah, genuinely. And I can't think who it was. And I know that he would, it, it may have not have been meant in the manner that it came across. We hit rock bottom by being 10th in league one. I, I understand we were hammered. I understand it was embarrassing. I understand it was frustrating. I understand we lacked heart. I understand that a hell of a lot of the players have left themselves in a very, very dodgy position, but we didn't lose four nil at home to a village team. We didn't uh, go out of the FA Trophy to Carl Scholter. We didn't have a player called Paul Robson at right back. Drew Broughton was nowhere near the pitch. This isn't rock bottom. <laughs> and that that rhetoric... Careful what you say about Drew Broughton. <laughs> I respect what he's said since. It doesn't stop the fact that he was utterly shit for us. And no, <laughs> I'm sorry it doesn't. I, you know, I fully respect what he's done since. Um, but... I won't change my my opinion, but that's for another pod. I was just thinking of, uh, I was just thinking, yeah, friend of the pod, uh, uh, Jack was, um, he he got called out by uh, Drew Broughton on uh, on Twitter this week. Oh really? Yeah, um, I was going to say I don't know if you saw it, but evidently he didn't. Um, it was it uh, oh, what was it? Yeah, there was there was something that um, there was something about. Um, oh, what was it like? Your worst moment in football, or or something? I can't remember what it was off the top of my head, but um, yeah, he uh, he tweeted um, that he was uh, no matter what happened, he would. Uh, I think he'd always uh, regret paying to see uh, Drew Broughton in a football, uh, you know, in, in a professional football match. Um, he didn't tag him. He didn't tag him in the post. He didn't, you know, like draw him into the conversation. He literally just said a bad thing about Drew Broughton. And then um, Drew Broughton was obviously searching his name on Twitter, uh, came across that quote tweeted Jack. So his uh, Jack's initial tweet showed up um, and he gave him a right earful. And then people started dogpiling, which I was like, okay. I mean, you, you've kind of, it, cause he, he was saying about, um, you know, how about you try performing in front of 50 people when you're, you're at rock, you know, when you're emotionally at, at the bottom and all the rest of it, it's like, that wasn't what he was saying, but, Okay, right. You know, like you've just said there, you're not criticizing what he's done since or the position that he was in because me and you both have been quite public about the struggles that we've had. Um and we wouldn't do that because it's not our style of, you know, we don't like doing that. But yeah, he um he got quite uh, quite snippy with Jack. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for taking time to respond to a powerful article. I'm keen to know, Jack. Have you ever had to go and perform anything in front of one or two people when inside you feel broken and worthless? Just a point. I don't know. I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to comment. I'm not going to say. I'll. I'll tell you off air what I think um, about Fair about enough. the situation. But we'll move on from Drew Broughton now because you know the modern world has made it very hard to have an opinion uh, that appears to sway uh, in 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 one direction. But what I will say, um, had I seen that tweet from Jack, I I would have found a way possibly to have kind to have backed him up because, you know, I paid to watch Drew Broughton as well. And frankly, I may as well have paid to have had somebody rub a cheese grater over my balls. It would have been less painful. But yeah, we, we seem to be digressing somewhat here, don't we? <laughs> Just a bit. Yeah, yeah, we'll move on. Um, so the rest of the press conference, um, I mean, we've, we've, got, we've got a position here that we can, uh, can criticise and, you know, we can call people out if we want to. But what on earth, what on earth, earth were some of those questions about i sad isn't it? i've i've never been more embarrassed for somebody than i was for well a for for michael and liam that were up there and, and jez and also for the person that asked the bloody questions how long do you think it's going to be before you know a, a player or the fans start chanting your name instead of danny cowley's we're not there on saturday when there was about 3,000 people chanting Appleton's Barmy Army when we were 5-0 down? No, there weren't. It was Lynx FM. They weren't there. And neither was Simon from Look North. The Look North wanted the Danny has gone angle. That was what they mm. wanted. Their, their only question was geared towards Danny Cowley uh, because Huddersfield as well, so it has relevance for the Huddersfield viewer. So that was mm -hmm. why they were there. Um, you know... Rob and Mark asked, in my opinion, the right type of questions. A couple of the other guys mm -hmm. get the scraps. I know what it's like in a press conference to have to follow 
BBC Radio Lincolnshire and Lincolnshire Echo because they ask all the questions. And in a post-match presser, which often you don't don't get to see quite as much, but Mark will, Mark, will, Mark, Mark Wiley will ask probably 10 questions and then they'll go, anybody else? And it comes over to me and I'm sat there thinking, Jesus, you know, what did you have for breakfast? Because, they're, you know, they're, they're very rarely are, are questions left because Mark and Rob understand what to ask in order to get the angle on the story. Yeah. Um, but if you don't have a question, don't ask at all. You know, and yeah. I'll, I'll be honest, even Michael Appleton will already be sick of being asked, so what did you think of the atmosphere on Saturday? Already, he will be. And, you know, Danny must have And But you have to ask some of those questions. Like Michael has to mention it every week on Radio Lincolnshire. What about the fans at the end? You have to, because it gets a certain message across. But to be honest, the Look North guy uh, and the Lynx FM guy should be banned from Lincoln City. Because <laughs> it's, I, think, I think Andy Pearson said, if you've gone to university for three years and that's the best you can come up with, you've wasted your money. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, I don't know. I just, I was sat there shaking my head um, because it was just ridiculous. Like, why why would you ask those questions when you've got, you, you've got somebody that could be asked about his time at Portsmouth when he, you know, saved five people's jobs from being cut from the, uh, you know, from the backroom staff by encouraging players to take a pay cut. You know, why not talk about Ooh, that? Why not bring a positive research? <laughs> You know why? Why not have, why not right, have a yeah. positive conversation instead of, you know, instead of just oh well, the previous man's gone. Are you gonna be like him, or are you gonna be a bit different? It's just Ooh, just did someone oh, invite Links FM on our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I just heard Links FM. I think my hang on, let me change ears. I'm, I'm pretty sure I just heard Links FM. Let me just <laughs> in there. No, look, you've got to ask some questions. I, I feel that sometimes now in the press conference, there's a little bit of pressure on not asking certain questions. And I think it would be easier to have a chat with Michael Appleton on a, on a podcast in, in Lincoln City, um, you know, <laughs> about some of his past, not just what went well at Oxford. That first press conference wasn't about him talking about Oxford, because if he did, it would be, oh, all he's talking about is bloody Oxford, you're at Lincoln now. It's not about mm. talking about Portsmouth, Blackpool and Blackburn, because he will have decisions that he regrets there. And if that message gets out to the fan, you know, regret before he's even played a game, then that's the wrong message as well. So it's a, it was a delicate press conference. I didn't expect any massive revelations. Um, I was surprised that he didn't um, commit to keeping the backroom staff as it was. He's just said that he would have to wait until he started making any changes. That really surprised me. Um, and he didn't praise the strength of the squad particularly. Um Unless I missed it, he kind of, he, you know, he didn't say it was a bad squad, but he did, he insinuated that he might need to add or, or do you know what I mean? I, it, yeah, it was he, he said that he's going to have to strengthen. He said he was going to have to strengthen in January, and you know, the the interesting comment there about the the backroom staff, it was, it, I I took that as a, um, I think initially he said, oh, you, I'm just looking to bring an assistant manager in at the moment, and then further down the line, you know, we'll evaluate and everything else. And the way that he said it, it sounded to me a little bit like we are going to add to the staff rather than mm. I'm going to make some changes or I'm going to, you know, get rid of people and all the rest of it. Yeah. To be honest, I listened to that as I was, um, as I inadvertently fell in a small rock pool and soaked my foot. Uh, yeah, it's a very vivid <laughs> recollection um, because I was, I, you know, how, how in your memory you pictures and, form links and I actually had a picture of the two stats guys whose names escape me who sit in the, the press box and they're top top guys I've known them for uh, met them when they first volunteered at the club and I had pictures of them sat around their desk and suddenly I had a wet foot uh, and a dog that <laughs> if they could laugh was laughing at me um, so yeah that that's a very good point and um, I thought I thought you know the press conference was what it was. At the end of the day, it's all about results. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Danny and Nikki's press first press conference is applauded now. If they'd lost their first six games on the bounce, everyone would laugh at it, saying that it was ridiculous. So a press conference is only given context by what happens afterwards, certainly a first press conference. Uh, and so we shall wait and see. But there wasn't anything came out of it that I didn't expect in terms of message or answers. Mm-hmm. I do wonder. Cool. Well, shall we move on to uh, shall we move on to Blackpool then? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. So, um, obviously, yeah. Friday night, Blackpool. Um, 
I just want to have a bit of a rant before we go on because um, I'm, I mean, I'm going, but they've disabled or they've, they've said they're not going to broadcast the game on iFollow um, for the for Friday night, which personally I think is a shocking decision because um, it was it came from the Blackpool side of things. I know it was it was done on police advice, but if other things are to be um, to be believed. I know there's been some mutterings about potentially Oxford want uh, Oxford sorry Blackpool wanted to uh, to move it back to the Saturday after they'd already moved it and all the rest of it. I'd heard that from a couple of different that? people. I'd heard it from a few different places, um, but it, from what I'd heard, I think uh, Blackpool wanted to to move it back, and it was just a bit of a mess to be honest with it all happening when it did. But the fact now is that. Um, you know that they're not broadcasting the game on iFollow, so they've lost probably, I don't know, I'll probably say about five, six hundred fans that would have gone on a Saturday, and they're not going on a Friday now. They would probably want to watch it on iFollow. They've obviously got the home fans as well. They would probably want to watch it on iFollow if it's on a Friday night. It's just, it's an awful decision that they're not going to put it on. Um, and I feel for for a lot of the fans that wanted to go on the Saturday um, that now aren't going to go on the Friday. And I know uh, we've got a couple of people listen to us uh, are in that boat. I know Hammy um, has tweeted me saying that he's annoyed because he was going to go on the Saturday but can't make it on the Friday due to travel. It's just poor, isn't it? No. Um, the the decision no. the decision not to f- not to show it on iFollow. Yes, that's poor. Um, yes, that's the bit I mean. Yeah, I, I get that. The decision to move it, and there was an awful lot of uproar at the time. That I'm sorry, that's football. That happens. And I know that there was people saying, oh, I've booked my hotel, I've done this, I've done that. Look, I, I kind of have a tiny bit of sympathy. But if you're if you're booking a hotel in August, in, in July, sorry, for a game that's on in September, a football game, you know, it happens games move i would never consider booking a hotel that far in advance unless it was for a wembley final that i knew wasn't going to be moved i just i it just baffles me yes it's a poor decision not to send put it on iFollow. and that may be a decision that's been made by an individual chairman who hasn't embraced iFollow. they may not get the numbers like we do Uh, it's something that we can't influence Uh, i didn't realize up until you just told me that it wasn't an iFollow. so i'm pretty hacked off if i'm honest (laughs) Um, I'm at a book launch anyway, so I, I unfortunately had committed to the Friday before the game was moved. Um, but you know that's 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 Blackpool's decision. Um, I think I, it, it's interesting. It's an interesting situation uh, to be in. I um, I would I am angrier at the fact that Peterborough think it's justifiable to to charge twenty eight pounds uh, to Lincoln fans who want to go to the game. Uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, were I a Sunderland fan, I would probably be angrier at the fact that Lincoln City want to charge £26 for their supporters who want to go to a game uh, than mm-hmm. I would be at Blackpool. It's just, unfortunately, you know, one of those situations. So, yes, yeah, sorry, I do agree with you that it's not a good decision by Blackpool for iFollow, uh, but they will have their go. reasons. I don't I don't know about the the details you were saying about trying to move the game back to a Saturday and all that, that doesn't that sounds a little bit odd to me, but games move, I'm afraid so um, yeah, there's not a lot that can be done There we go, so let's let's get on to the match um, uh, I, I'm not really feeling this one, if I'm brutally honest um, I know we're trying desperately to, to stop the rot, I think if that's the phrase, which I mean, you know you look at the numbers, like you say it is a bad, you know, bad run at the moment, but it's not as bad as people are making out in the grand scheme of things. Um, but yes, I, I think uh, I think we'll probably be fortunate to scrape a draw um, on Friday night. What about yourself? Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, I obviously I, Blackpool were my tip uh, before the season to do really well. I think they recruited incredibly well. Um, over the summer. I think one or two of the players that they managed to attract to the club were really exciting. And then it began to get a little bit top-heavy for me. Um, and I think that's been reflected in their form a little bit. And uh, yeah, I'm talking about, when I'm talking about 
their recruitment. I'm talking about Ryan Hardy and Joe Nuttall, two strikers who I think should do really well at this level. Joe Nuttall, and uh, yeah, I, I can break confidence, I suppose, a little bit now. I don't know, but Nuttall was somebody that Danny was very, very close to signing on loan last transfer window, and it fell through when he uh, when he was handed a chance at Blackburn, I think, and scored a goal. And Blackburn said, "Well, actually, we're going to keep him then." And that kind of uh, that came around the time that Scott Wharton left us. At Blackburn, and we were also going to bring Lewis Travis in, I think, on loan as well. So Nuttall, I really like. Hardy, I really like. Uh, Delfonso plays up top for them. He was there last year, not as keen on. They've got another big chap up front whose name I'm going to try and pronounce, and I'm such an Englishman when it comes to this. Um, Armand, <laughs> uh, we're going to call him Nandulit, um, which might be right, okay. might be wrong. Uh, big Frenchman up top, scores a few goals, another real danger. Jay Spearing in the midfield, player I really like. They managed to keep Curtis Tilt over the summer as well, who's a you know top defender at this level. But then they began to kind of add more and more and that's where I started to scratch my head a little bit. They brought in um, Sully Kaikai, who, and again, that's probably my terrible pronunciation, um, really, really good player <laughs> at this level, scored a couple of goals for them a, f- uh, a week or two ago. I think it was against Coventry City, he got a brace, and they still ended up losing 3-2 to a last-minute goal. Um, they brought in Sean Scannell from Bradford as well, who was, was average at Bradford last season and hadn't really impressed in League One either. So they seem to want to add more and more and more. Um, at the back, impressed with Ben Hennigan. He's Sheffield United lad, plays uh, plays for them at the back. He's on loan, big big player. They brought in Hus- uh, Jamie Husband, James Husband at left back because they lost Mark Bowler in pre-season. And Bowler was another who I really rated, a former Arsenal lad. Um, and they, uh, they only drew 1-1 this weekend with Accrington, I think. And it was a last-minute goal by uh, Matty Virtue, who's a former Liverpool midfielder who... Um, I would liken him to Callum Connolly, but I don't want people to think that he's he's that bad. Um, so he, uh, that's probably <laughs> that's not fair. It's harsh on Callum, um, but uh, you know, Matty Virtue is going to be a big player for them as well. Depends which Blackpool turn up. Um, they had a decent start, beat Bristol Rovers early, one away at South End, they beat Oxford two one at home, so that's a big bonus for them. Um, but they were humbled against MK Dons three 0 a couple of weeks ago. Mm. I have big question marks over. Um, Simon Grayson as a manager. Like, it was an odd decision for me for a, a team that are so upwardly mobile. Uh, but they've been playing three-five-two. That stifles our wingers if that's how they choose to go. When we play, th- when we come up against the team three at the back, we do find it notoriously hard to break them down. Uh, which is interesting. However, Blackpool have been conceding more XG than their opponents. Um, their expected goals is only 1.32, where expected goals against is 1.44. They're very erratic, very inconsistent, um, very much like Oxford in that respect, um, which probably doesn't bode particularly well for us. A point here would be a super result. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's right. You know, I, I can't I can't see us personally taking much more than than a point if anything um i would be delighted if i'm proven wrong uh but i'm i'm I, i'd love to see it's always nice to see a manager starting off his uh, his, his tenure with a win um there's obviously that sort of additional sort of unknown factor as well that you you've got that i suppose it's always different when you you normally get a new manager in because you've got you've got a manager that's that's just been sacked or has not been done, you know, not been doing very well. And you get that sort of what people call the dead cat bounce. Um, and I just think I'm, I'm a bit, I don't know. I don't think we'll get that on Saturday if I'm brutally honest, uh, Friday, if I'm brutally honest, but uh, we what I would be. say, what I would say is they have a tendency to overplay without getting the, um, the desired outcome. So for instance, against um, Accrington, they had 58% of the possession, and they played 140 more passes than their opponents and drew one all. Uh, against MK Dons, this is even more remarkable, and it sounds familiar. Uh, they had 65% possession against MK Dons. Right, They played 246 passes more than their opponents. Their accuracy was 84%, MK Dons was only 72 And yet, um, they lost 3-0. Huh. I don't know. Possession's not everything you see. No. So, uh, well, 
Yes, um, I do want to touch on something that you, you said. Actually, I wanted to. I did want to have a, a bit of a discussion about this, um, and we're not not too much because I know we're we're sort of waffling on a little bit more here. But um, the, the 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 post that you put up about the central midfield conundrum uh, the other day, um, I know you weren't at the game on Saturday, but I, I put a tweet out that said at the time I I remain thoroughly unconvinced by Callum Connolly, and that that may have sounded a little bit harsh but i i think it's true um he didn't seem to add a whole lot um on on saturday um i know the first game that he had he, he played that fantastic ball through to tyler for his goal but um yeah saturday he he seemed to be a little bit all over the place and i don't know if that's because he needs that that sort of managerial hand to to sort of guide him a little bit but he he didn't look like he was comfortable in any position that he was in. There was a couple of moments where, um, it, I think a, a mis, you know, mistake possibly could have led to yet another goal. Um, but I, I think for me, the, the question that you asked is, uh, you know, is who who should be um, in the midfield on uh, on Friday night? And honestly, for me, there's absolutely no question. It's Michael O'Connor. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to say. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> oh, I love, I love Narky Gary. <laughs> no, I'm not Narky. I, 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 I'm not going to call O'Connor. Uh, I'm not going to call Connolly on the back of one game. And I think there, there are people that say, and I just don't see what what Callum Connolly adds. And you know, they've they've seen him probably in in three matches. Didn't see him away at Rochdale where he had a decent game. Um, Bristol Rovers, I think, you know, we, we did struggle to get to grips in the midfield, but I think as a whole, he played in two games that, that 99% of the team played badly in, which in, in Bristol Rovers and, and Oxford. I thought he had a, a really, really strong debut against Fleetwood. I thought he played very well against, um, against Rochdale, again at Wickham. It was a team conundrum. And it, it's another situation where, uh, it's easy to look at some, somebody and go, well, we've been poor since he's come in without taking the wider game into context. I do mm. firmly believe that Michael O'Connor should start in the midfield again, uh, aside Joe Morrell, um, mainly because I think we need the experience there. But for me, it raises more, sadly raises more questions about Jason Shackle than it does about Callum Connolly. Having watched the goals back, I thought Jason Shackle was to blame for as many goals as Callum Connolly was. Um, mm. I think when you're looking for a leader on the field, are you going to get that from a 21 year old lad who's played four or five games for a team? Um, or are you going to get it from the 35 year old with six, 700 senior appearances who was a title winner last year? So for me, there's more questions over Shackle than Connolly, but people will see Connolly as the easy scapegoat. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that's what you're doing, Ben, at all. Uh, I wouldn't be so bold, um, but I'd, I'd no, like to see Michael O'Connor come back in. Yeah, I mean, I'm not using Connolly as a scapegoat at all. I mean, it, it was it was poor on on Saturday overall, but um, it it was just one of those games where I didn't think he was he was on it. Um, positioning lacked a little bit, but I'm not going to sit here and, and lay into one of the players because that's not that's not what I like to do. So. Um, right, shall we move into plugs? Because I think we've got a couple of bits to do this week. I know we've got one for sure. Um, the the Cowley Method, the complete Cowley Method by uh, our good friend Chris Ray. Uh, he's doing a limited run. I think they're currently for sale on eBay for pre-order, are they? Yes, they are indeed. Yeah. Um, very, very, very funny. Chris Ray is an insanely talented man. Uh, Cowley Method first appeared. Uh, I was incredibly honoured to see it first appear in uh, the ferret and in other printed media of mine, which is um, which was brilliant for me because I got to see them all first. And he's, you know, he's he really charted uh, the last three years well. I think it's a tough time for him to bring them out as well because you know the club as a whole, I think, want to move on very quickly from that era. Whereas, you know to put them all out as an anthology now is, is the obvious thing to do. So, you know, I, I would urge people to buy them. Chris is giving every penny of profit that he makes to Sophie's journey, uh, mm-hmm. the charity. Um, I, I, I am aware that he has now sold enough to break even. So everything he makes 
over and above what he's currently got. He's going to go straight to charity every three pound uh, available on eBay. If you have any questions, you can contact us or Chris um, probably you know, on social media or something like that. So um, yeah, definitely, definitely yeah. get them bought. Cause very funny, man. Yeah, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll tweet the link out when the podcast goes live as well. So um, you've got no excuses not to pick it up because it's uh, it's yeah the, the collection's brilliant and I love as well the fact that he's carrying it on with the new name of the Big Apple. I think that's perfect. Yeah, I really hope I I feature in it again because for my for Christmas two years ago and for my fortieth birthday uh, he did bespoke cartoons for me. One of them um, based around my beard and another one based around the quizzes that I uh, occasionally do on the Stacey West. And it was really nice to be immortalised in that way. So you never know, Ben, you might even appear in one. He's got some good source material from our um, profile pictures. Oh, Christ. We're going to have another one, aren't we, this week? Yes, we are. Yeah, absolutely. At some point. If I get time, I've got a lot to do. Yeah. Oh, well. Right. I think that's probably a good spot to leave it. Um, I don't really have anything to plug this week because I've just been busy with work and other things. So we'll see you guys uh, next week. Um, I don't think we're going to do one on Sunday, previewing Tuesday, because... No, no need to eh, do it. We're just not. Eh. So, yes, we will see you guys again next Thursday. Take care, and we'll see you down at the bank. Bye-bye. Cheers. around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.